two months ago in December of last year, we got an update from the well-respected strategist Felix Zuloff regarding his outlook for 2024. Felix forecasted that the stock market was likely to head higher into the first quarter to new record highs, as we see today, but also made a warning. If this current advance is accompanied by a greater narrowing of concentration into a smaller and smaller handful of tech stocks, it could end up marking an important top. Well, as Piper Sandler's Craig Johnson recently explained on our show over the weekend, two tech stocks in particular, NVIDIA and Microsoft, have now accounted for almost half of the S&P 500's gains this year. Because of this, much of the conversation has shifted from the MAG7 to the MAG2, or the dynamic duo, when it comes to the mega giant tech stocks. So we wanted to replay this very important interview with Felix, not just because market concentration has indeed increased since we last spoke with them, but also because of the fantastic insights that Felix offered in this interview on so many different areas. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy one of our recent FS Insider favorites. FS Insider a premium edition of the Financial Sense News Hour. Today's host is Senior Editor Chris Sheridan. Felix Zuloff is the founder and CEO of Zuloff Consulting, a boutique research and consulting firm that offers investment advisory services to institutional investors and family offices. Felix has over 40 years of experience in financial markets and asset management and has served as a member of the Barron's Roundtable for 30 years. For more information about Zuloff Consulting or to sign up for Felix's bi-monthly newsletter and webinars, go to felixzuloff.com. Felix, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's always a pleasure. We have done that uh, so often over many, many years. Yes, we certainly have. And, you know, just to speak about some of the calls that you've made with us in recent years, of course, we have been speaking with you for quite a while, but in December 2021, when we spoke with you, you made a high conviction call that the market was putting in a top. You said that you were going short and that you expected it would decline around 30% into 2022. That's exactly how things played out, especially if you look at the growth stocks. When we caught up with you again late 2022, you thought we were in the later stages of that bear cycle from the 2021 peak, and we're making a call to buy growth stocks again for a rally in 2023. And of course, if you look at uh, you know where the lion's share of the performance has been, it has been in the growth stocks in the tech space, the magnificent seven. If people were following your advice when it comes to the broad market outlook, they did pretty well from those two major calls. So with that said, what is your outlook now for the market as we look into 2024? Well, the way I see it is we had a mini bear market in 22, and we have now a mini bull market into probably the first quarter in 24, when I expect the market to top. And we have a cyclical bull market in bonds, probably into late summer 24. So declining bond yields into summer 24 with the risk of an aberration from sometimes in first quarter, late first quarter on uh, for another uh, spike in bond yields uh, uh, could even be to higher highs uh, that could trigger the decline in stocks. And the decline in stocks uh, that I expect into late summer of 24 is probably going to be a nasty decline. I may have said 
on your show last time in uh, late 21 that uh, we are in for roller coaster years in the markets. And uh, I think what we have seen so far is a down and an up. And uh, we will get more of that and extreme moves. So the percentage decline could be quite uh, sharp next year. And next year could be one of the few years in history that sees an important high and an important low in the same year. Uh, that is not uh, very often the case. We had it in 1937, in uh, 1962, in uh, 1987, in 2018, 2020, and 2022. So it comes more often. And that shows you that we are in roller coaster type of environment. And the decline could be nasty because the one thing that bothers me is the high concentration in a few stocks. The concentration is higher than it ever has been in the history of the stock market. And it comes from the fashion of index investing, of passive investing. And when you think about it, if somebody out there in the world invests according to the world index, 62% of the money goes into the U.S. stock market. And out of that money, 30% goes into seven stocks. And if you are a money manager, you have to own those seven stocks at least in proportion to their weighting in the index. And if you wanted to outperform, you had to overown them. So the concentration must be extreme. And I have read in one report that in the largest hedge funds in the U.S., 70% of the assets under management are in 10 stocks. And this shows an extreme concentration. So when the market will turn down for whatever reason from a peak in the first quarter, I think investors have no other choice but to sell what they own. And they overown those few stocks. And therefore, the selling in those stocks could become quite brutal. And selling begets selling. So I think the decline could be such that we even undercut the 3,500 level of fall of 22. And we could fall into the low 3,000 in the S&P 500. And it will be proportionally even more so in the NASDAQ 100 and in the FANG indices. And I think it will be a global affair. Most likely, it will be due to weaker profits uh, and the recession. But it could also be a geopolitical event that triggers it. You know, what's missing so far in the peak for bond yields is that we have had an event. Usually, the peak in bond yields is accompanied by an event like a major bankruptcy, a market crash, or a recession, and we haven't had anything like that. We had a problem in the banking sector and the major bankruptcy in March, and because of that, the Fed injected liquidity and reliquified the system, and I think they have been too loose and too easy for too long, and the Treasury played some games with their funding that helped to reliquify the system and triggered this mini bull market. I think the Fed has to come to grips, and I think they have to tighten more. 
which doesn't mean necessarily to hike rates, but to tighten liquidity. If the Fed doesn't do that, the bond market has to do it. And that's why I think we could have an aberration, a spike to higher highs in bond yields in late first quarter, second quarter or so, that would trigger the decline. And it could also be an event in geopolitics because the world has changed so dramatically. The old unipolar, US-centric world order has crumbled. There is great rivalry. I would call it the world is in, in a disorder, in a transition to a new order. And this transition period is marked by rivalry, conflicts, military conflicts, war. And I think we will see more of that. And the risk that wars broaden and pull in some of the larger nations is quite high. And I think the market doesn't have that on the radar screen yet. Yeah, you're talking about this extreme over-concentration of the Magnificent Seven of tech stocks. I'm looking at a graph, and I'll post this where this interview is located on Financial Sense, but it was recently put out by B of A Global Investment Strategy, and they show that U.S. versus global equities, outperformance of the U.S. versus global equities, is now almost at a three-standard deviation well above anything that we've seen, I believe, in history. And the last time we've seen this level of outperformance in the U.S. versus the rest of the globe was in the internet bubble. That was uh, over one standard deviation. And then prior to that, in the late 60s, earlier 70s, with the Nifty 50, which was uh, getting up to a one and a half standard deviation. So we've been talking about this parallel between the nifty 50 stocks that we saw in the 70s and today. But the concentration is much, much more than what we even saw then. Yes, that, that is true. And of course, there is a reason for that. The uh, Magnificent Seven uh, are great companies. Uh, they have performed very well. And they have become a fad, in a sense. And, and their valuation is uh, excessive, of course. And the reason for the flowing to the US is simply because the world is changing and the world is becoming less safe, and capital is looking for safe harbors. And therefore, capital has been flowing to the U.S. for many, many years, and the U.S. dollar has been a good performer for the last uh, 10 years, or, or, or even a little bit longer than that. And therefore, as the money flowed into the U.S., it flowed into the stock market, and in combination with the uh, fashion of passive investing, it really lifted those stocks to unbelievable heights. And uh, and more and the more they rose, the more money they attracted. So this is coming to an extreme. Or I think it's already in an extreme. And when this medium-term move ends, I think we are in for a big decline. The stock market usually goes through different phases. And, and I always say, we have in a bull market, we have three medium-term uplegs. Sometimes we have four. And in an extreme uh, case, we might have five. The first wave was in this case from fall 22 to spring. That was the first uplek. And then we had the banking crisis and the reliquification. And that led to the second uplek from April to July. And then we had a correction into late October, and now we are in the third uplink. It's bumpy, it is volatile, and volatility will increase. 
it's a third up leg and and the stages are in sentiment terms psychology of the crowd is first leg up is disbelief the second leg up leg is belief and the third up leg is overbelief that's when you overprice everything and you go to excesses etc and i i think we are in the early stage of that third up leg that i expect to peak out sometimes in january or March, sometimes in the first quarter. Um, and uh, I'm watching my indicators very carefully. I think we are still okay. We have a short-term shakeout, maybe for another week or two maximum to maybe 43.50 or something like that. And then I think we run to new highs uh, into the 4,900s. And then we have to check whether the investment position of the fund managers and the public is as high as I expect, because usually when markets break to new highs, there is a lot of celebration and people speak about new bull market and it sucks in a lot of new money. And I think it's a trap. And uh, I'm waiting for that trap to set out shorts. So I'm trading a little bit on the long side in the medium term up leg, but I'm dancing very close to the exit uh, doors because I think once he turns, he could get very nasty. And like you said, for 2024, you're expecting that we could see an important high and an important low in that same year. That's correct. Yes, that would imply that we have one big decline and then it's probably over. Or we could have two medium-term declines. And that will bring us to new opportunities to go along because Think about if equity prices decline by 30%, let's say. That affects the consumer's balance sheet. And when your balance sheet improves, you feel better and you spend more. And when your balance sheet deteriorates and weakens, you do otherwise. You spend less and you are more reluctant to spend. So I think we, we will see some soft uh, economic numbers, maybe a recession or more likely a recession but the mild one, and uh, and problems here and there, and inflation rates being a little bit lower, and central banks do what they ever do when that happens, and they ease, and they inject liquidity, and that will give us the next bull cycle. And I think the next bull cycle, uh, from wherever it starts, in my view, from the low 3000s, will be a very powerful one and we could go to 6000 or 7000 on the S&P because the liquidity they inject will not be used up by the real economy because the real economy is structurally in a weak condition and therefore it flows into asset prices and equity prices and commodity prices uh, will go up and as commodity prices rise so will inflation so we will then have the next inflation cycle from a 24 low to maybe a 26, 27 high. And uh, as inflation goes, so will interest rates and bond yields. And I think the second up cycle in bond yields is the one where investors really uh, suffer badly. We have seen that in the 70s, the second up cycle in bond yields really crunched um, uh, the investors. And so I think we could see uh, treasury yields for tens at 8 or 10% or so in the late 20s. 
Uh, and and what that would then do for the stock market is clear. At some point of time in rising bond yields, it will trigger a decline and an economic crisis. And I think that crisis in the late 20s will be the severe one and one of the most severe in our generation. So it's a roller coaster market. And as an investor, you have to make sure to stand on the right side of the market cycle because otherwise uh, you will suffer badly. So big picture here, as you said with us last time, and you've been saying this now for at least a few years, you do expect this decade, the 2020 decade, to be one of higher amounts of volatility. You called it a decade of roller coasters. This is somewhat akin to the 70s-like environment. Obviously, no two periods repeat exactly the same, to paraphrase Mark Twain, but there is a rhyming pattern, and we see a number of similar patterns. We talked about that recently in one of our podcasts, about 10 powerful parallels that we see between the 1970s today. I'll just name a few of them. The Nifty 50 growth stock outperformance in the late 60s, early 70s, which ended up tipping over a few years into that decade. We also saw higher than average amounts of inflation. We also saw a Cold War between Russia and the US, of course, which accompanied a large amount of spending on the side of the US to try to outcompete our rival. We see the same again today, except this time with China. We saw a lot of volatility, of course. We saw also an outperformance of commodities once the Nifty 50 stocks rolled over. Do you think that there is a place for commodities during this decade, as you said, an inflation hedge or even for precious metals? Yes, I think there is a place for commodities, and I think commodities will perform quite strongly in the next upcycle, but for other reasons than in the 1970s. In the 1970s, we had a growing population and very favorable uh, demographics. That is just the reverse uh, right now. We have in the OECD world, we have stagnating or slowing of population growth, stagnating population growth, shrinking population growth in economies like Japan and China and Europe. Uh, that is very different. I think the trigger for rising commodities will therefore, unlike in the 1970s, will not be rising demand, but it will be declining supply. I think in the big conflict between the autocratic with the democratic systems, uh, so to speak, the autocratic systems, the BRICS, they control three quarters of the world economies, roughly speaking. And I think in the conflict that we have between the West and the Global South, uh, or what you want to call it, is such that uh, they will use the commodities as a weapon and they will restrain supply and it's the supply side uh, that will make uh, commodity prices go higher. But I do expect the next commodity cycle to be quite strong for other reasons than in the 70s. And as you said, it sounds like you'd expect that to happen once we reach that low in the 2024 time period, once we see a bottom in the economy. Yes. Actually, when you see the commodity uh, sector is not performing very well. So the Bloomberg uh, Commodity Index is actually uh, struggling around the lows of the cycle so far. And commodities have a difficulty to really uh, take off. Uh, I mean, there are a few exceptions like gold. But oil has a problem, uh, the base metals have a problem, and that's because the world economy is really not strong. American investors, 
misread the situation of the U.S. for the global situation. The real GDP growth in the world is about 1.5%. And in the past 50 years, 1.5% was recession. And we have a struggling China, economically speaking, or in terms of growth. And China will not become a locomotive uh, any anymore for the world going forward. They will be in a low growth environment. They have to digest their structural overhangs in real estate, recapitalize uh, the banking system refinance the local governments, etc. And Europe is uh, also struggling. It has high energy prices, uh, which means that uh, uh, final demand will be lower than ever. Uh, They are struggling with recession at the present time. And the US is sort of the least dirty shirt in the laundry. And, uh, And therefore, it has done so well. And I think investors are misreading the situation because you know, half of S&P 500 profits come from outside of the U.S., from the world. And therefore, you should keep in mind that profits from outside of the U.S. cannot be very robust given the economic situation in Asia and in Europe. And therefore, the rise in equity prices in the U.S. is a rise of valuation expansion, which is liquidity-driven. And I think... Uh, As I explained before, there has been games being played by the Treasury and the Fed, and I think that will probably end in the first quarter of next year. Um, My hunch is that the Fed is uh, overestimating or underestimating the the reserves uh, in the banking system and is providing uh, liquidity uh, to help the banking system. But I think uh, that's the wrong interpretation. And that liquidity goes then directly into the stock and the bond market. And if that is right, it will probably be a point in the future where the Fed will turn around and withdraw that extra liquidity. And then we have a problem in the markets. Felix, one final question before we go. I want to ask you your opinion on precious metals. We did see a pretty big spike, well above the 2000 level. We've seen a pullback. We're speaking on December 5th. It is pulling back. The dollar is rallying. What is your outlook on precious metals here currently? Well, I have been bullish on uh, precious metals and uh, I said we will break out um, uh, top side uh, from the last two, two and a half years of congestion. Um, But I didn't like the reversal. Uh, The reversal was a very sharp key reversal And usually that is rather an ending pattern or behavior in the market uh, than uh, an interim correction. So I didn't like that. Moreover, the rise in the rally in the gold market was a very strange rally because for the first time in history, really, gold rallied together with real interest rates going up. And uh, and the big moves up in gold in the past, like in the 70s, have always been when real interest rates went down. Uh, so this is uh, a move that was not due to monetary factors or monetary affairs. And, and the gold bugs usually uh, say, well, gold is the only currency uh, that is uh, solid and uh, all the fiat currencies go down the drain and therefore... You have to own gold, and the price of gold has only one way to go, which is up. 
I, I think in that sense, the gold move was a wrong move. Uh, that doesn't mean that it will go down. I think uh, gold is um, behaving relatively well. It may correct further here. But um, I think uh, over the next uh, one or two years, gold will go higher. Maybe we will hit uh, 2300 first, but eventually I think we will hit uh, the upper uh, 2000 in gold. So I think gold and gold mining stocks are a good place to be, but you have to be patient uh, because it will not happen overnight. And... Uh, the big buyer in the gold market, the physical gold, and that's what counts really, has not been the investor. It has been China. And physical gold moved from the Western world that has been a seller to the east, uh, to the global south, so to speak. And they will try to build up more and more gold reserves because they want to have eventually their currency or a new currency unit as a competitor to the US dollar. And for that, they need gold. The investor will probably come in into gold in a big way only once the dollar begins to weaken. And I do not see that on the horizon. I think uh, the US dollar has had uh, two medium-term corrections, the sec from the September 22 peak, I think the second medium-term decline is probably not quite over yet, but, but when this decline is over, uh, probably late this year or very early in the first quarter, I would expect that the dollar tries uh, again on the upside. And it probably has more to do with other currencies weakening. You see around the world, many emerging market central banks cannot hold up the interest rate much longer, begin to cut because uh, the pain economically is too high for them. And, and that makes the dollar stronger. So I wouldn't be surprised to see another rally in the dollar in the first uh, half of next year that would probably keep gold a little bit on the defensive before it rises further and goes to new highs. All right. Well, Felix, I'd like to recap some of the things that we've discussed today just to make sure that I've got everything correct here. You know, the big picture, you've been discussing a decade of roller coasters for the 2020s, higher amounts of volatility, somewhat similar to what we saw during the 70s. Next year, potential for an important high and low in the market at the same time. So that would be something to be on watch for. Obviously, you want to be much more tactical in your positioning, if that's the case, you're leaning towards a recession in 2024 and believe that growth stocks are getting towards the end of this current rally, possibly with a peak in the first quarter. And you believe that commodities and inflation will likely resume upwards again once the economy bottoms next year. Does that about cover some of the key points of what we discussed? Great job done, Chris. Uh, you uh, got it all right. Yes. Let's see what the markets will deliver next year. Definitely. Well, Felix, as we close, would you mind telling our listeners just a bit about some of the things that you offer at Zuloff Consulting and uh, best way for our listeners to follow more of your excellent work? You can contact us at felixzuloff.com and um, we publish a report about every two weeks and we have uh, quarterly uh, webinars where we go into details in the markets and then we have several webinars with guests uh, important uh, persons that have something important to say 
And uh, whenever subscribers uh, have questions, they can reach out and contact us and we get back to them either by phone call or by email or even by uh, physical meetings. Well, Felix, always a pleasure to speak with you and get an update on your outlook. And again, for all of you listening, you can go to felixuloff.com. We'll have a link out to that where this interview is located on Financial Sense. Felix, we look forward to speaking with you in the future. If you have any questions or feedback on what we discussed today, or if you'd like to get in touch with us at Financial Sense Wealth Management, feel free to check out our new website, financialsensewealth.com, or you can give us a call at 888-486-3939. For FS Insider, I'm Chris Sheridan. Thanks for listening. Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any financial losses that result from investing in any company mentioned in financial sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour be advised that you invest at your own risk